Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man out of his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created him. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. May God bless the reading of his word. Seats. All the kids, sixth grade and under, you can quietly make your way back to Miss Cindy. That, that quietly was kind of for my kids. So, uh, but I'm excited you all are here. Uh, thank you for bearing with us. Uh, the computer just decided to not work, it just died. So, but luckily we have Bruce on the back, so he, he got it back up. So we have words now and everything. So yay, Bruce, we love you. Thank you. Um, but happy Super Bowl Sunday. Let's give it up to any team trying to beat the Patriots. All right. Yeah. That was for you, Kevin. Um, but I'm excited that the Super Bowl is in town. It's definitely afforded some pretty cool opportunities for our city. And um, man, it's a lively place. Uh, right before we get started, I wanted to touch on something that was pretty important from last week. We had our Vision Sunday. And so we had our, the Vision Sunday encapsulated between the morning and the evening. There are two podcasts that if you want to listen to about what we covered, that's, kind of, that's available to you, podcast.neartownchurch.org. You can catch up on those. You can listen to them. It's, they're great. And uh, Russell kind of helps set the stage of what's going to happen this year and where we're going. And we were able to talk about one of the things we are focusing most on this year. We are going to redouble, refocus our efforts into discipling all of us in this congregation. Disciples who make disciples is what Jesus has called us to. And we as leadership are committing to you, we're going to help you get there. And so what we are asking, on your seat, you have a card. On one side, it says, I am in for 2017. On the back side, it has eight mission measures listed. What we are asking is for you, if you are at Neartown and you want to be to us a mission partner, that's what other people refer to as membership, if you want to commit to mission partnership in the year 2017, you are saying, I am a believer in Jesus and I understand that God's called me to be in a local body. This is it. I'm going to commit to you all. What we are committing to you is that we are going to come alongside you and we are going to help you see Jesus and look feel, and act more like Jesus this year. If we do so, then those eight mission measures that you see on the screen above or on your card, connecting, we're going to help people connect every person known by others, reaching every person sharing their faith, learning every person gaining knowledge, freedom, every person walking in freedom, praying, every person praying, generosity, every person giving, loving, every person loving others, passionate, every person moved to action, a passion-filled life. This is what we want for you. And if God is working in our hearts and we are doing our part, coming alongside you, encouraging you and helping set that stage well, you'll grow in Jesus 
And this is what we want. So if you are in, check the box, put your name clear and legible at the bottom and put it in the blue box in the back. There's an envelope slot. You can put that in there. If you have been a mission partner previously and you want to say, I'm still in, what we're asking you to do is renew your commitment. Okay, so renew your commitment. If you've never been a mission partner, but you want to, you can check that box too. We'll talk with you about what that means. So now for the dramatic shift back to the text that Sarah read. When I was young, I was born into the church and I was raised by my parents to have a pretty clear understanding about abortion. That was something we talked about at the house of this is happening right now in our country. This is pretty awful. Uh, There are children who are being killed because they're unwanted. And so I was raised to know this is not good. And they kept talking about the image of God. These little babies were made in the image of God, just like you and I, and we need to protect or defend. And so I did my part. I went to the March for Life's downtown Indianapolis where we like, spread out across these streets and made a cross around Circle Center. If you've ever seen a sky shot of Indianapolis, we got a really cool circle. Um, I did the marches. I held the signs. I, I did my part because I knew that something wasn't right about abortion, and I was raised to know I've got to do something. Well, it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. God continued to work in me. Uh, I began to see, actually, it wasn't just these babies that are needing defending, but in fact, the mothers that are making these choices, uh, they needed as much care and support as the lives that they were carrying and might choose to end. This black and white issue of save the baby, babies are good, mothers who want to abort, bad, that wasn't true, in fact. It became a whole lot more gray, but it wasn't an issue of one side losing more power. It is, in fact, both sides being raised because they were both the image of God. And as the image of God needed that honor, that love, and support, both needed Jesus' forgiveness long before the abortive act ever came into question. And then if they made the wise choice to have the baby— They needed people to surround them either through adoption, through foster care, through supporting the mothers. I saw that this wasn't an either-or issue, but this was a both-and. And then God continued to work in my heart. He began to expand my mind to see that his image in everybody wasn't just in this one lone issue, but it was a local issue and it was an international issue. Everywhere, depending on the culture, there is some group of people who are considered less than. That some people have favorites and they want to defend these favorites and their rights and their lives. And then there's this other group that, well, they're not our favorites. We're not going to talk about them. But in fact, they are image bearers. They are people who reflect God and deserve and merit our support and encouragement as the church. And so where I started with this abortion issue, which I was clear was this isn't good, God opened my eyes and said, don't get so narrowly focused. My image is in everyone who is human everywhere. Today, 
we are centering our discussion, our understanding of the Imago Dei. You've got the, the logo behind me, the Imago Dei, the image of God. And we are going to center that understanding back in Scripture at creation where it all started. Now, most of Scripture actually refers to creation as a fact, as a foregone conclusion, as our beginning. Now, if we snap to the cultural pressures and say, no, we don't need creation, that's just a myth, we're going to throw that out. If you choose to do that, you will be throwing out 53% of the books of the Bible because that many books refer to creation as a fact, as something that God has done in which we gain our understanding of who we are. The Imago Dei is a very important place in Scripture, and it's really critical for our understanding on how we're going to live. So open your Bibles to Genesis 1. Now, we are going to have it on the screen behind you, but if you want a Bible in your hand, just slip up your hand. Sarah will see said hand and hand you a Bible. Uh, As we're about to lay out where we're going for today, here's what I want us to remember and walk away from here with an identity rooted in the image of God necessarily changes how we regard God, others, and ourselves. So let's hit that again. An identity rooted in the image of God necessarily changes how we regard God, others, and ourselves. Would you all bow with me before we roll into the text? Jesus, thank you so much for giving us this day together, this chance to look at your word. Lord, raise our eyes to heaven. Lord, get our faces towards you. Open our hearts. Let your words penetrate. Lord, let your words go deep and let us see you anew and understand who we are in you. Thank you so much, Christ, for all that you are and all that you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so the Bible starts out in the book of Genesis. It means the beginning, so it's a good name. Uh, God, when he started in Genesis, he didn't start out day one humans. No, he built up towards us. So I am going to fly through creation. I am going to give you the 10,000-foot view of creation. So Genesis chapter 1. So we start out in verse 2. Notice it says at the very end, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God, God's Spirit, He was present before He spoke creation into being. Hmm, that's interesting. Hold that thought. Day 1, verses 3 through 5, He made light and darkness, day and night. There are pairs that are complementary. They are opposite, but they are complementary, both serving a wonderful purpose. Day two, verses six through eight, heaven and sky. God separated the waters. Again, a pair, complementary and different, okay? Day three, verses nine and 10, land and ocean. So now God's filling the spaces. He separates from waters some land, and he says, these are oceans, these are land. Again, another pair, complementary to each other. Day four, Sun, moon, stars. God sees the sky and he fills it. He sees the day and he says, this is the light. This is the light. It's the sun. I'm putting it in the sky. And this is the night. 
This is the light to govern the night, the moon. And here are the stars. Look at all this beauty. He has created the space and now he's filled it. He is creating space and now he's filling it. Day five. Okay, we've got the sea. We've got the air. Let's put stuff in it. So he fills it with the sea creatures and he puts the birds in the sky. God is continuing to make, again, he's creating the space, he's filling the space. He's filling them with complementary things, things that are still wonderful yet different. And then we get to day six, verses 20 through 31. This is 12 verses. This is a really big chunk. God is building up to this. This is clearly the highlight of creation. He goes with the animals to fill the land, and then he takes a special moment, and he creates humanity. He creates Adam and Eve. Now we're going to come right back to it. Day seven, right at the start of chapter two, God rests. If you want some really great messages on rest, Russell covered that last year. Uh, I'm not going to cover it again. So, uh, but let's go back to day six. This is clearly the apex. If being made in the image of God, in the Imago Dei matters, then we should expect to see it here at the start when God made us. So Genesis chapter one, we'll start in verse 26. And then God said, let us make man in our image. Okay, let's pause there. Let us make man in our image. This is a plural. Why is there a plural there? Where did the the plural come from? Okay, we've already seen the spirit in verse two. Okay, jump ahead or look on the screen. It'll be probably faster. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. Yet for us, there is one God, the Father, for whom all things and for whom we exist, from whom God the Father was there at creation. All things exist through the Father. Okay, the Father was there. The Spirit was there. And let's jump over to Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. He continues to go on and go on. He is talking about the Son. He is talking about Jesus. Jesus was the one that created all things. The Son was there. The Father was there. The Spirit was there. The us and our here is God, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is three persons, but one being, and all are present at creation. So when, we're, when there's this phrase, let us, our image, it hits that plural, it actually shows us from the very start that we as humans are going to reflect this nature. God says in our image, there is a relationship, there is a love that exists between the Trinity, between the persons of the Trinity. And when God creates us and says, let them reflect us, being made in the image of God necessitates loving relationships with and for others. We do like God does. 
being made in the image of God necessitates loving relationships for and with others. Now it goes on. Rather, we're going to read this part and focus on a different part. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. I don't want to go through here too fast. We are made in God's image. He, not only does he make us, notice that this is the only part in chapter one where God, in plural, says, let us make man. There is a divine counsel between the Trinity that says, let us make this special thing. They didn't do that for ox. They didn't do that for fish. They did that for humanity. They came together. We were created with this purpose. There was an intentionality in our unique design. So your gangly arms, your funny toes, your ears sticking out the sides of your melon heads. God meant to do this. God meant for you to look this way. He created you in this way. Our existence with these sort of features, both inside and out, are all a part of his plan. We are unique and unparalleled in all of creation. But catch this, not only did God make us, he gave us a command to do some stuff. So that is in verses 26 and 28. Now we're going to talk about the commands in a second, but God speaking out and saying, I want you to carry out this purpose. See, it's this really weird dynamic. God has shown us that we, because we are made, we are dependent on him, while simultaneously have been given purpose, so we have freedom. He has made us dependent on him while also free. Dependent and free. This is not true of any other part of creation. And God has given us this unique call that we have been given the very clear saying, you need to be with me because I made you. You do depend on me at the same time. I'm going to give you freedom. I'm going to give you different capabilities and opportunities not afforded to the rest of creation to follow what I'm asking you to do. This is incredible. Being made in the image of God necessitates both dependence on him and freedom from him in our life. Being made in the image of God necessitates both dependence on him and freedom from him to live this life that he's called us to. Now, I use the word that God's given us capabilities and opportunities, okay? You know I'm preaching, so let's jump on the academic wagon, shall we? Verse 26, there are two words that show up, image and likeness. These are two different Hebrew words. Image is selem and likeness, demuth. Selem and demuth. Now, image conveys that something is a representation of the original. Our image is representative of God. Okay, so thinking through this, this all the way, this whole topic is extremely confusing and yet really helpful all at the same time. So think of all the times that you have taken a selfie. That is a representation of you. I've already pointed Kevin out. So if if I take a selfie, Kevin is not going to walk up to the photo of myself and start talking to it like he is going to expect it to answer back. It's a representative. It's not the same as, but it 
looks like. Okay, so that's representative. Uh, this is image. Uh, now, likeness, demuth. It conveys that the thing is similar in aspects to the original. Okay, so our likeness shows that we are like God in certain aspects. Um, have you ever been told? Have you ever been told that you act like your parents? at times, that there are things that you say or mannerisms that you do that you're like, oh my goodness, that is just like your parents. There, there, I had a friend call me one time. I didn't, it's like one of my dad's friends and I picked up the phone and I had no idea he was calling and I said, hey there. And he was like, whoa, I had no idea who he was. So I was really freaked out on the phone call. I was like, hello, you just sounded like your dad. Like, I thought I was talking to Tony. I was like, sorry? And then he introduced himself, and it, it made it all better. But image is to looks, external things, and likeness is to character or internal. Now, I understand this is a very narrow way to define these, and the Bibles, the, those Hebrew words have a lot more meaning, so I'm probably cutting off some. But for our understanding today... Image is going to be that external looks type of thing, and then likeness is going to be that internal, that character, that how you do things sort of way. So if our Imago Dei, if our image reflects God, and it means that we are both representatives of him and that we have characteristics and likeness to him in certain aspects, then being made in the image of God necessitates the high value on all of humanity. It necessitates a high value on all of humanity. Every single person made by God is in his image, is in his likeness. There is never an action. There is never an action that is going to cause somebody to cease being an image bearer or a likeness bearer. Until they die, they are going to reflect the image of God. No matter how different a person is from you, or let's be honest with ourselves, how different we are from them, they bear the Imago Dei just like you. Let that sink in. All the arguments about refugees, about immigrants, black lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives matter, LGBTQ issues, pro-life, pro-choice, ageism, sexism, classism, and on and on, every single person represented shows us a different aspect of God because they are image bearers. And he put that in them. God keeps going. Go with me to verse 27. So God created man in his own image. This is God created Adam. So that is not just Adam, it's mankind. In the image of God, he created him. Again, Adam, mankind. Male and female, he created them. So um, if you're reading this and you see, oh, it says male and female, and then I go to chapter 2, and it looks like, does God do the creation all over again? 
um, just understand chapter 2 is an explanation or a, a zoom-in feature on this creation that God talks about in chapter 1. So it kind of blocks it out and it talks more about it. Um, Russell will probably cover more of that next week. We are not going to go into that today. Verse 27, male and female, he created them. Okay, so God did make humanity, all people, in his image, and that image reflects the Godhead. God is triune. He's one, but he's different persons. Humanity is one, but different genders, male and female. And just like the value he gives all humans, he places equal value on these two different types of highly important people. Being made in the image of God necessitates an equally high regard for both genders. One is not better than the other. Both have equal and incredible value. They have different roles. Um, I was trying to find the quote. I couldn't get my finger on it to quote it properly. I know that Kathy Keller has written this multiple times that the ontology of humanity, ontology, the being, the being of humanity is the same. The economy, the things that they are called to do is different. So the ontology is the same. The economy is different. They are both made in the likeness of God, and they both reflect God in different ways. Lastly, I told you we'd come back to this, verses 26 and 28. God gave us a purpose. Let me read from 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God says, here is your purpose. Husbands and wives have sex, make babies, be fruitful. And then he goes on to say, have dominion over all creation. When you see the word dominion here, this is not like a domineering, controlling, you make it do what you want. He is saying, I want you to have a gracious authority and guide it and care for it wisely. This is what I am calling you to because this is what I do. And if you are made in my image, I want you to go do these things. Guard it, guide it, care for it wisely. So, okay, we have dependence on God. We have freedom from God to carry out these purposes. We have been sent out in his likeness to do these things. So when we as humans have more humans, we are actually increasing more image bearers. We are sending out people more people who reflect the image of God out into the world. And when we, like God, have dominion over all creation and we care for it wisely, then we are increasing God's reign and rule. We are increasing his image there. God is in the business of renewing us and sending us out to take his image, his imago Dei, even further into the world. Being made in the image of God necessitates a life-directing, all of life-focused purpose of spreading more of his image and likeness the world over. So, how many of you at this point in the message, you've been thinking, you've been listening, and you might be a little annoyed 
a little perturbed, a little confused, because these thoughts that I've shared, all of these things that come with us naturally because we are made in the image of God, you don't really see it everywhere. The Imago Dei that you see all around you is less than idyllic. Couples that want to have kids can't have kids. Marriages that have finally come together are straining to stay together. Marriages all around us are falling apart. Abortion is still a massively decisive issue because one side is screaming, care for them, and the other side is screaming, care for us. Human trafficking is worse than ever because there are people who believe that other humans are commodities, goods and services to be bought and sold like t-shirts and food, to be used until their usefulness is gone. It's sickening. It's revolting. Our world does not look like this rosy picture of the Imago Dei that God instilled at the beginning of time. I said at the start that an identity rooted in the image of God necessarily changes how we regard God, how we regard others, how we regard ourselves. Yes, we've looked back. We've seen it. We saw how God instituted the Imago Dei, but just knowing how it started doesn't fix it. Frankly, it leaves us wanting, right? It leaves us wanting more. It leaves us wanting wholeness, completeness. How can this be made right? See, thankfully, God never gave up. God never gave up on us. He created us. If, you, if you're a drawer, you can draw this. There's six symbols. God created us. He came down. Draw a down arrow. He came down to earth and he created us. Shortly after he created us in his image, we sinned. You can draw a big X. We sinned. We broke it. Our perfect relationship with God was broken. Our perfect relationship with other humans was broken. Our perfect relationship to the ground and to the land. While setting up, I busted myself in the face and my lips started bleeding. This is all a part of the broken creation. Luckily, it didn't swell too bad, or my vanity might have been hurt. Our perfect relationship, even with ourselves, is broken. This all was a result of sin. But the story doesn't end there. God continued to pursue us as a people. He showed his love to Israel. He chased after them. You can draw an arrow moving forward to the right. God went after them. He loved them. He pursued them. He called them to himself. He said, be my people. And he did not wait for his actions to go when the Israelites finally fixed themselves because they didn't. Instead, they made it worse and worse and worse. But God came to them and he sent his son. He sent his son. You can draw a cross arrow moving forward, and then the cross. Jesus came to earth. God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And then after he died, three days later, he rose from the dead. Our sin was paid for. The life that we wanted to live was now possible because Jesus gave us his righteousness. He gave us the ability to live whole. See, we look back at the story. You've got that down arrow. God created man, and then Adam and Eve sinned. 
Jesus came down from heaven, but he didn't sin. In all the ways that Adam fell short, Jesus fulfilled those. Jesus was the true and greater Adam. Jesus bore the true and greater Imago Dei. He came down and actually embodied the image of God better than the originals. He lived like we all want to live. He came in humility and glory and gave us love and wholeness. Jesus, it talks about him in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He came to earth radiating glory from above. He was the exact imprint of God. In Greek, this phrase, exact imprint, brings to mind, it was the term used when making coins. Jesus was a perfect replication of the original coin. He was God to us on earth. He had the Imago Dei as we were always meant to be. And as the perfect representative, he offers us a way to wholeness, a way to live like we were always supposed to through him. Well, how does he do that? I'm going to read just part of Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, pay attention to here, to be conformed to the image of his Son, to be conformed to the image of his son. So God is coming to us and he says, I want to make you like you were always supposed to be. Jesus is the perfect image of God and I am slowly making you new, renewing you to go and be like him. We are being made more and more like him. Now I'm gonna retrace our path really quick because I know I've been flying. God made us in his image. Things There were things that necessarily came about with having his image, and now we know for a fact they're all not working like they were supposed to. There's this ripple effect of brokenness and pain happening the world over. These broken things make us long for them to be made right. We know they're wrong. We know they're not right, and we say, when will it be right? I want this to be right. I want this to be whole. And he sends Jesus to fix it. He is the perfect Imago Dei. He is the exact imprint of God sent to us on earth. And he begins the process of restoration and reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. This is part one, okay? Part one. God sent Jesus to reconcile us to himself. That's part one. We are saved in him. But there is a part two. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So if you're drawing these little symbols, you can draw another arrow forward after the cross towards the right. He has sent us In light of what he has done to us by reconciling us to himself, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting their trespasses against them. He didn't wait for everybody to fix themselves before he would have a conversation with them. Instead, he came offering forgiveness to them where they were and entrusted to us, us, the broken people, the jacked up ones, the ones who don't have it all together. He entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Jesus Christ, be reconciled to God. There is that part A and the part B. Jesus comes and he saves us. That's the best news. But then he says, and now I'm going to send you out in my name. Go and be the renewed image of God that I always wanted you to be. And you had it in me. And go in my name and take that renewed image of God elsewhere. See, we've covered those five things that showed up in our lives when God created us, that being made in his image necessitated a whole bunch of them. Well, because Jesus has both given us a new identity in him and renewed our image in himself, we can fully love others. We can submit to God and we can be free in him. That third one, we can truly love and value all, all, all of the people that are around us and consistently see them as fellow image bearers, people that have inherent value because they bear the name of the Father, worthy of our attention, our care, our love, our honor. Again, because Jesus has both given us a new identity in him and renewed our image in himself, we can maintain healthy co-ed relationships that bring glory to the one that made us both and seek, how does this other person reflect God in a way that I don't have? How can I see God clearer because I know them? And lastly, because Jesus has both given us a new identity and he has renewed our image in himself, our entire life, where we live, where we work, where we play, can be used by God to spread his great name and his perfect image as ours looks more and more like him. An identity rooted in the image of God necessarily changes how we regard God, how we regard others, and how we regard ourselves. See, Jesus stands before us and offers us the one who is going to reconcile all things to himself, reconcile us to the Father. He offers him himself as the one who loves his children and offers us a chance to reflect him in that love to all humanity. And lastly, he offers himself as the one who will make us whole forever, always. Through our our renewed identity in him as ambassadors of the king, as whole image bearers. We can live the life that we've always wanted. We can go out because God has sent us out in his name to accomplish the renewal of his image in all of creation. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, I thank you so much that you have put this this call 
deep in our hearts. That you've put this in us to say there's something more. What you see in the world is not what I intended. Thank you, Lord. Honestly, thank you for disappointment. Thank you that we can see that not all things are right and that it drives us to you. Lord, I ask that you work in our hearts today. Show us the parts of our lives where we are not regarding you through this renewed identity. Show us the places in our world where we are not regarding others through our renewed identity and their identity as image bearers. And Lord, let us look in ourselves and be certain that we are loved incredibly by you that we regard ourselves as renewed through your sons, through your son, that you, you loved us as your kids and that we have the chance to be made whole through you, Jesus. If you are bowing your head and you're saying, this Jesus stuff sounds great. I have known about him. I don't know him like this. Talk to Jesus now. Jesus, I ask that you show yourself to these people as the one who saves, the one who renews, and the one who gives us a whole life complete with purpose. Jesus, we lean on you, we are dependent on you, and we are thankful for the freedom that you have given us. Lord, let us go in your image. In your name we pray, amen.